everybody. Welcome back to Album versus Album. I'm your co-host, Kale Judy, and with me as always is the Reservoir Dogs to my Stuck in the Middle with you, Lucas J. Lawrence. Ooh. Hey, buddy. So I, you, uh, you're the Reservoir Dogs and I'm Stuck in the Middle with you? No, you're Reservoir Well, either works. I'm just saying they're inseparable. It's like well, a, it you can't separate is, the two. Apparently that movie ruined the song for a lot of people, so. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's clearly a fake ear. It's, uh, I mean, you know, people could argue, you know, dissenters of the show could say we're doing the same thing, but uh, we're just making, uh, we're making magic happen, man. Well, speaking of destroying ears, this guy, our guest today, he destroys the world of ears and listens. I'm trying to make it sound like it's cool. Like, it sounds like you're bad at it. Yeah. yeah, yeah (laughs) This guy destroys the charts. Let's maybe take it again. This guy destroys the charts. There you go. That's fine. That's this fine. guy destroys tar- Anyway, our guest today of Kelly and Kelly Productions? Uh, Kelly and Kelly, Inc. Kelly and Kelly, Inc. Chris Kelly. Welcome Hi. to the Hi, show. Chris, welcome. Hi, thanks nice for having me, you. guys. This uh, is a long time coming. Yes, it is. And I'm so happy to have you on the show. Uh, we're, all, we're all friends here. But I do want to say Chris and I have a very special connection in that we met in a prenatal class when our wifeys were pregnant with our first children. And it just so happened that... His daughter was born like eight hours before yeah, my son. In the same hospital. And right after my son Casper was born, this guy knocked on the door and we shared an embrace that was... That we'll never forget. It was very intimate, Aww. very special. Every time we look at our children, we think of that embrace. Yeah. And that's why my, <laughs> Kasper, my son's like, why do you love me so much? I'm like, because you remind me of hugging Chris. I hope my son never listens to that. <laughs> I always like reference you as if Georgia even knows or cares who you are. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to see Lucas. He's essentially your second father. And then yeah, and then Casper's always like, uh, "Who's Georgia again?" I'm like, you know the. Yeah, I almost have the same birthday. I have a better memory. Um, just thinking of, of uh, stuck in the middle with you again. A, ruin the mo- ruin the song for people. You're like, when did you know the song before that movie? Mm. Also, I think that's how I discovered the song. I did, yeah, I just discovered the song that way. Then I downloaded it from LimeWire, where it was labeled <laughs> "Stuck in the Middle with You" dash Bob Dylan. Yeah. Dot MP3. <laughs> I mean, it, if you don't know, it sounds like it's by Bob Dylan for sure. <laughs> exactly. Some like loser hacker. So you're a LimeWire guy, huh? I mean, I was all of it. Yeah. I Napster, LimeWire, Kazaa. Mm. Do you ever do Kazaa? Oh, Kazaa, as they said <laughs> in the Maritimes. Is that how you say? Oh it? yeah. You, are you using Kazaa now? <laughs> When LimeWire went down or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember. I remember the first song. I think I've talked about this before, but the first song I ever downloaded. The first two songs. Yeah. Creed, can you take me higher? And oh. lit my own worst enemy. Oh, oh what a great song! And does though. that age me? <laughs> 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 Dude, that. Oh man, I, I like lit. Who was I that those were the first two? Who were they? Yeah, I mean, touche. Touche. Yeah. Touche. Um, so, so, yeah, so it's so good to have you here, and we're in your studio, so thank you for hosting us. It's my pleasure. At yes, this... to clarify your intro to me, I mean, by destroying ears, I do make podcasts every single yes. day. Yes, he and destroys the charts, I should have said. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, I'm sure some of my mixes do destroy uh, people's ears sometimes. Well, and Chris, you, um, I read in your bio today that you've been making podcasts for 16 years, which has yes. got to make you one of the OGs of the entire industry. That's right. I made my first podcast in 2005, and then not long after, I went and produced the CBC's first podcast in 2006. It was already out. It, I wasn't the first ever producer of it, but I came along uh, about 
30 episodes in and produced the CBC Radio 3 podcast with Grant Lawrence, which was the first ever CBC podcast. Wow. Yeah. So this is chump change for you today. No, not this at is, all. Yeah, well, it's, it totally it, is. But it brings me back to my roots. Well, good. I'm glad it does that. All right, well, I do want to name drop. Uh, this Sounds Serious. Yes. This Sounds Serious Part 2, which Season was two. called... Uh, well, Missing see, Melissa. Missing Melissa. And, and my favorite, this sounds serious, season three, Grand Casino. Wearing the swag. If you haven't listened to those, you're a fool. Listen to them. That's right. Uh, you true are crime. Fool. True crime at its best. Um, and Kale, you're listening to the current one, right? The yeah. CBC one? I've got uh, one episode left of Let's Make a Podcast. Let's, or, make, sorry, a let's make a Sci Fi. The uh, podcast. The yeah. podcast. And uh, love it. Some of my favorite local uh, comedians Ryan Beal, Mark Chavez. And Maddie, Maddie Kelly, Maddie Kelly, no relation. Who uh, and my wife and I actually saw Maddie Kelly open a um, talent time, and we we're both like, "And the stand-up is amazing. She's a star. She's so great. Rising talent. All three are so good. You heard it here first, folks. That's right. Catch, and, catch that star. <laughs> such a great show as well. People got to check that out. But I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I listened to it on. The last trip I did, and it was just like having like a few friends just hanging out inside your head, talking about the creative process. It's beautiful, and trying their darndest to make a science fiction. Mm-hmm. And they they do. Spoiler alert: Is there going to oh, be a I'm season? Not listen. Is there going to be a season two, guys? I'm going to give you the exclusive right now. There is. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make a rom com. Really? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's season two. I mean, oh, we're literally great. figuring it out right now, but it is happening. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. And oh. then the next one's let's make a porno. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's not on the CBC. That's not Pornhub. Yeah. <laughs> exclusive? Yeah, it's exclusive. They must have a podcast, eh? I don't, that's a good question. I don't know. Hubcast or something? <laughs> yeah. Something. Comcast? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, Maybe I'll delete that part. <laughs> so, yeah. So, thank you for hosting us in the Kelly and Kelly studios where yeah. all these incredible podcasts are made. Yeah. We're here to soil the sheets for you a little bit. <laughs> And I will say too, as a and again, you know, as a one other aside, I remember when we met at mm. Lucas's birthday, mm. and I remember we were walking between breweries, and you were like, "Lucas really needs to make a podcast." Oh, and I was like, "I agree," and I think that I think this was before I um, Lucas and I had started talking about this concept at all. Oh, the idea so had was been a, born. The idea was born. Maybe we talked about it, but yeah, but I remember you. Your encouragement was a nice. It was a good push in the right direction. Well, he's got the gift of the gab, mm-hmm. and what a voice! And what a voice! What a voice! What a crusty old voice! That's right, crusty the clown's old voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So uh, today we we could go on forever just gushing over you, Chris. But today we're talking about an artist that's very dear to all of us that Chris chose, sort of, so, sort of. I mean. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even going to say that he wasn't my first choice, but he, he's definitely up there with my first choices. But you guys have done so many great albums that you know we're all of the same age. So yes, obviously mm-hmm. some of the some of the prime, a lot of the same touchstones. Yes, we're taken. Yeah. So we're talking today about Bon Iver, Bon Iver. I mean, this is the first talking point. I mean, it just absolutely baffled the masses. I mean, it helps that, you know, he's from America, so easy masses to baffle Mm. with a French name. Yes, true, yes. I called him Bon Iver for a very long time, but I I can only assume that it is Bon Iver. He's from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. another French community settlement. He he said recently, or maybe not recently, but in uh, something I read recently, 
um, when asked about the pronunciation that he pronounces it Bon Iver, but he's like, Bon Iver's fine. He's like, really, however you want to say it is all good. And he actually even said the reason he spells it the way he does is because when he read the French um, phrase, he's like, it didn't look the way how it sounded made him feel. So he tried to chop oh, it up. Because Bon make Iver it with an H, H is apostrophe. And he didn't no. like, yeah, it's in my fast facts, okay? Don't okay. my fast facts. <laughs> But I, uh, I think however we want to do it, I'm going to probably slip between both because I said Bon Iver forever, too, or yeah. Bon Iver forever. So it's yeah. going to be slipping in and out. That's totally. Bon Iver. Bon Iver. Bon Iver. <laughs> and I'm told you to be patient. And I'm told you to be fine. And I'm told you to be balanced. And I'm told you to be kind. And now I, I really love this artist. I love both albums. Like, that we're going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, he crossed my path at a time that was just kind of seminal just in terms of my career and just my love of music. I was making this podcast for CBC Radio 3, which, if you don't know, is a, a music journalism arm of, of the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. And so I was just steeped in music, like, at the time. And it was just checking out everything. And he, he I mean truly felt very fresh yes mm-hmm. like when it came out it was like whoa yeah. skinny love was a big deal yeah oh, it yeah. was like that and then the next one i can remember that was that big was like mumford and sons and I, the real reason i wanted to talk about this one because i just think that he became so emblematic of that era of music mm. there's an amazing onion headline I don't know if you remember this that came out. Man just going to grab a guitar and old four track, go out to a cabin in the woods and make shittiest album anyone's ever heard. That's because of Bon Iver. Yeah. Like Bon Iver became a meme. Yeah. He became, he like symbolized all these things of yeah, like, like, I'm going to go get a guitar, go into the woods, be sad, record it and just sell millions of it. Well, and like, you know, the large bearded man who sings falsetto. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And they're like, how many like clones... And successful ones, like clones that have big careers, too. Totally. Oh, yeah. Like He just paved almost a, not a genre, but definitely a type, a niche of genre. Well, even in 2011, when he was touring the second record, he was on um, Stephen Colbert's first show, like before he did the late night show. It's like when he was like kind of the parody of himself. Yeah. And it was a legend then. Like, after the first one, so it was already something that everyone had asked him about. Yeah. I did read today that he hunted his own food, which I thought was wild when oh, he was at the cabin. Oh, my God. Like, he yeah. killed two deer, and that's what he lived on for it's three my months. my second spoiled fast film. <laughs> <laughs> <No. laughs> but, but all that to say, the, no, the, yeah, he's the legend of it, yeah, it was. you're right. It, it was so crazy how big it became when it was also this incredibly intimate thing. It's crazy. Totally, totally. And I think partially that is like the sonic value of the whole thing. He's got such an amazing ear. Like it sounded like nothing else. And part I'd say first and foremost up front is that falsetto. You're like, oh, when was the last time someone like that broke through? Like Hall and Oates or something? Like do you, you know yeah, what well, I mean? Like even mm-hmm. even as as a, their BG's, main way, their, BG, like their main yeah the but, main voice, like not being yeah. like oh he busted into falsetto like Tom York can do a nice falsetto here and there. Uh, could wouldn't be an episode without bringing up Radiohead. Yeah, he can do it right, but but it, it's not his normal <laughs> main voice because it, yeah, I don't think most people don't find that like voice attractive. And it's funny, like you know he did the Taylor Swift album and oh, yeah. blew everyone's mind because he can sing low. Well, it was jarring at first because you're like, wait, he's not doing the high falsetto thing. Yeah. I can see you standing, yeah. baby. I, I would also argue there would be no Taylor Swift album, which essentially was, hey, I'm gonna go into the woods 
and record this folk album yeah. without this, for, without yeah, well, Forema, yeah. forever ago. Yeah, well, I mean, like, it's so it's so crazy if you follow the thread. Like, there's just, I think, I think like, there's almost a whole genre of guys with acoustic guitars with, a, with a, like a bass drum just going like, like Mumford and Sons or like Lumineers, all that stuff. I mean, like, I know it's all happened around the same time, but it's mm-hmm. just, it's really crazy to think about how, how much influence even like, that even goes beyond like what we're talking about with folk music. Like it even goes to other places. Like mm. you know all the stuff he's done mm-hmm. with other artists and, and Kanye West and, and, and well, James and, Blake and, and so on and so on and so on. Yeah, and I don't know where that fits into the what we're talking about today, but I have a whole thought on that too uh, about how he was able to make the leap because he has made the leap mm-hmm. as oh, opposed yeah. to others who have fell into the chasm. Yeah, and he was arguably set up with this record to have a massive fall like i really think it's cool that we are talking about these two especially mm. it's it's almost like it's a, technically the 11 year anniversary but the 10 year anniversary reissue of bonnie ver bonnie vers out this yeah, year yeah subtitle yeah and it's also really cool that it's kind of good time to revisit you know 10 years ago where were we at listening to this music and also how and i have to say re-listening to them for tonight i was shocked at how modern and even for Emma, how it still sounds great. Like it doesn't sound to my ear like, oh, this sounds like the late 2000s or something, you know? Or at least it does. Like I feel like if you listen to a Mumford and Sons, it might feel a little more dated. This one at least is like super singular and it's, mm-hmm. it's vision. I would argue like Fleet Foxes even did that too. Like I felt like Fleet Foxes kind of, they had something special in those first couple records. And mm-hmm. it felt like from then they kind of spanned out, like spawned the a lot of the imitators who were doing very like pop folk to or, my ear. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and like, but and with Bonnie Bear also doing this very unique folk stuff that then did also spawn more popular versions of it. But it felt like there still feels like with both those bands, there's something for me at least special in the way that they present their music. That yeah, they. Both have never really lost. Probably have not mentioned yet is that we are talking about For Emma, Forever Ago, and Self Titled. Mm-hmm. Those are the two albums we're pitting against each other. Yeah. The uh, debut and the sophomore. What I think is so interesting is right before we started recording, we said is that one is pre fame and one is post fame. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I'd make a very strong argument today. I'd make I'd argue very hard that uh, fame only made him better. Or at least uh, what fame gave him access to and gave him uh, which uh, amenities he received by yeah. the fame made him better. That's my opinion. We'll, we'll get to that part later. But <laughs> should, we, uh, should we start with some fast facts? Some fast facts. Let's do it. Okay. Fast facts. Fast facts. Fast facts. Now, it seems like you guys are pretty knowledgeable about your Justin Vernon. Trivia. So we, we haven't said his name yet, so that's a good oh, fast uh, fact. Boniver's name is Justin Vernon. <laughs> fact one. Justin Vernon loves hunting and is still outspoken in his love for hunting. Oh. Controversial in this day of veganism. Right. Justin Vernon's old bands that he played in before becoming the titular Boniver is the Rosebuds and De Yarmond Edison. Which Diarmond is his middle name. Did you know that? No. That's a weird middle name. For Emma was recorded in his father's secluded cabin in Wisconsin after a relationship breakup, a band breakup, and being being diagnosed with mononucleosis hepatitis. Part of the reason why he did not like the spelling of Boniver with an H, like the meaning good winter in French, is because H-I-V-E-R reminded him of liver, L-I-V-E-R, 
which is what mononucleus hepatitis affects the liver. Hmm. So he'd been looking at that word a little too much in medical documents, <laughs> and he decided taking that out. Uh, in 2012, the album Bon Iver won Best Alt Album, and he won Best New Artist. At the Grammys. At the Grammys. Oh, I remember it. Brown he suit. Also, yep. Yes, he wore a great suit. Brought Kathleen Edwards. Yeah, his Canadian, girlfriend. His girlfriend at the time. I think they're still together, right? No. no yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. No, they're not. Yes. Yes, no. <laughs> no. Yes, yes, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, Justin Vernon has collaborated with Kanye West on three records. Dark Twisted Fantasy, Jesus, and Life of Pablo. Mm-hmm. Fast facts. Fast, Fast facts. facts. Nice. I could wait. Oh, I was going to ask. I can't, is it Big Red Machine? Big Red Machine's one. Yeah. And Big Red Machine is his other band with, um, I can never remember which brother it is. Uh, one of the dudes from uh, yeah. one of the Dresner Let's brothers. Let's skip this fact. <laughs> it's going to not be good. <laughs> well, he also Bryce, had Volcano, Volcano Choir. Volcano Choir. And these, are, these are posts, though. These are posts. That's and he's true. also done yeah. those jazz records that are crazy. Have you I heard ha- those? No, I haven't heard them. Okay, it's that. like a full jazz band, like big jazz band. Yeah. yeah. And they do like jazz standards, jazz covers, and then they always do one or two uh, like Bon Iver songs. And oh, my God. There's, it's so crazy because it's him singing mostly like live, and it's really weird. It's like so weird. It's great, but mm. it's weird. And then also he's released music under Justin Vernon. Oh. Justin Vernon. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Not much, just a little bit. Kind of a Connor Burst Bright Eyes thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's the same. You just knew this wasn't good enough to be a Bonavera release, so you're like, I'll just call it just Justin Vernon. Yeah, I wonder what the, like, kind of the royalties of all that look like. I wonder if he has to pay band members in Bonavera. Like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, when it's a Tom Petty record, yeah. it's just him. And when it's Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, yeah. he's got to pay all the boys. Yeah, I, I always wonder if it is it an artistic distinction or is it a financial distinction? It's a good question. Maybe, I, it's, maybe it's both. It's a very good question because, it, and this is the kind of nitty gritty that would be like would be embarrassing to ask, but you're also like, how? Because having knowing people in bands, you're like, it's always kind of interesting when you're like, oh, that's how it works. Eh? Okay. I mean, going from like a band to like solo artist is very clear, but you're yeah. like. You started solo, yeah, and, and then you got a band. Yeah. So are they hired? Usually, they? you hire them, and that way, it's like, okay, you're hired. Work for hire. You yeah. got you make a lot of money doing this. I am my Would love to hear from both you gentlemen. We we touched on it a bit with you, Chris, but could you give us a little more detail about when you're working at the CBC? You're working on this music podcast with Grant Lawrence, and mm-hmm. then you came across. Bonnie Fair. Anything else you want to add? Like, what, what what was it like kind of when you first heard this record? It's funny. I always had to, like, kind of <laughs> this is just hitting me now, but we had a uh, we had a podcast, and we also had a, a live radio show that we would do uh, to the nation on Saturday night on CBC Radio 2. Mm. And it was a three-hour music show, and it was a great show. Uh, I listened to the night one. I didn't know what podcasts were yet, I don't yeah. believe. And it was it was it was awesome because you could get it on satellite radio and it would go across North America, but you know you'd reach all of Canada and people would tune in. And we were also allowed to play on the podcast. We were only allowed to play Canadian music on the radio. Uh, we were allowed to play whatever music we wanted. We could play Rolling Stones if we wanted, as long as we hit our CanCon quotient, which was like seventy five percent Canadian content. We could fill that twenty five percent with whatever we want. So it was like. You know, we I just throw in there that you guys, uh, the, one of the reasons I discovered the show was because they were playing the Februarys once. Oh, oh yeah. we used to play the Februarys all the yeah. time. They used to play my old band. Yeah. They played the duet with lights uh, yeah. for each other. That was the oh, big one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was in heavy rotation, oh, as we used we would, to say. We would come on tour and people would be like, I know this song. How do you know it? And they'd say, CBC3. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But what was the show called? It, well, it was called 
CBC, I think it was called the CBC Radio 3 on CBC Radio 2. I was learning about Bonnie Vera and Pitchfork, and I was kind of be like, hey, guys, this is kind of like what America is really obsessed with. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it really ever made it into rotation on that show. And then that show ended, but I was super, super into it, and uh, I could just kind of feel the surge of the, the states just being like, no, no this is going to be the thing. This is what we're crowning. I don't know what the Pitchfork review is well, on I just this to record. Say, that means that technically I've achieved one thing that he hasn't in my life. What? I got on your radio That's show. That's right. That's More right. That's right. I mean, I'm <laughs> so, probably wrong about it. We probably played a song, but yeah, like it, w- it was not heavy rotation like fe- the Februarys were. Woo! baby. This is my moment of my 15 minutes of fame right here. By the time I heard of him, it was when the uh, local radio station called The Peak. It was brand mm. new, and they were playing lots of indie stuff. And they played Skinny Love, and right away I was like, what was that? Yeah. And I remember that it was like they had this thing where they'd be like, here's a track to check out. Call in and tell us if you think it's good or bad. Or is it fresh or rotten? The, the Subway Fresh track or whatever yeah, it was called. Yeah, yeah, Subway Fresh track. Yeah. Exactly. So it's either like fresh or rotten, you call in. Yeah. And I remember being like, I hope people call. I was like, I'm not going to call in. It's not, if, if there's no money or a concert involved, I'm not calling in to win. <laughs> to let is, them know. Yeah, I'm not giving you good. any satisfaction. Yeah. But I was like, that's a good song. Yeah. And I remember my girlfriend at the time, friend uh, of Kale, Sarah, was like, within a week, she was like, this is the best artist ever, listen to this whole album, and she was obsessed, and when I remember when Blood Bank EP came out, she was like obsessed mm. with that, and I love Blood Bank, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. long term, I sort of, that was sort of my like, I sort of fell off for a few years and then kind of revisited him, but I remember that time, it, I mean, it was, it was so hot, every time I went to a party, it'd be playing, Yeah, and someone would always be like, oh, I love, like, everyone felt like they had discovered him, yeah. which was such a Hmm. good feeling yeah everyone's like oh I, I found this guy through this or like oh my cousin told me it was like we kind of got to still feel it was like what it was like to discover a band like in the 90s when yeah. like you had to go find music yeah i don't know i guess that's kind of like my last now it's like everyone just spotify and playlists and people are telling you music every day but it, it kind of was like a special thing i feel like everyone had their moment where they discovered bon Iver and everywhere i went i heard him so i you know i don't really remember when i came to like love him but i mean it was a pretty it's a pretty easy transition for me. This was right in the alley of what I liked. So, Oh, yeah. I feel like with everything else I know you've liked, especially over the period of doing the show, I'm like, and I knew you then, too. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> Lucas always has been a big music head, and our friend Sarah also has you know, been a big proponent of musicians like this. I would say for me, a year after I moved to Vancouver, I had just made some new friends, and you know, we were like trying to figure out things to do. And I had this idea, like, hey, guys, why don't we do a music appreciation night? Mm. And we were like, what's that? And I was like, well, everyone pick two songs. We'll cap it at, like, ten people. We'll go hang out in this friend's basement. We all play a song. No one can talk during the song. Very important. I roasted you you guys so hard when I heard about this. (laughs) I was such an asshole. And before you... And it was very earnest. And it was like, before you play the song, just say a few sentences about why you picked it. And that was it. And it wasn't meant to be like, pick the coolest song or whatever. It's just like, hey, let's just like sit in a room. Just because the idea of like actually sitting in a room and listening to music and not talking, it was weird. And it's hard to do for the cap. Time cap, it turns out, is about an hour where you can do that and enjoy it. And after that, it's like you get squirrely. But our friend Liz, I want to play Skinny Love, and the song just speaks to me. We're like, cool. And I feel very lucky that that was the first time I got to hear the song because it was in this very yeah unique yeah, cool. thing. We only did it a couple times, and it was like for that to be the moment where it was like we're all listening with a group, but like really listening. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, like this song is like burrowed inside me like a little gopher and just totally finding all my pain. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. 
You know what's funny is that you saying all this stuff? This is reminding me this was a real like effing album. This was a real like, I'm going to put this on and like invite <laughs> Wait, this girl really? over. Really? Old for sure. It was way before Netflix and chill. You're like, like Bon Iver and hopefully chill. Yeah, and hopefully chill. But I remember we had the, we had, we started this space in Vancouver called the China Cloud. Rehearsal space was in the back. And we would we'd be rehearsing, and we, my girlfriend now wife friend was in town, and we're showing them the space. We're hanging out, guitars are around. I was like, "Oh, have you heard this new thing? Oh, Bonnie Vera. And He's like, "Oh yeah, I know how to play it." And he, sure enough, played "Skinny Love" perfectly on the guitar. And I was like jealous and also afraid that he like would steal your, my wife. You're holding Lauren's <laughs> hand. You're like, like stay don't, here. Don't look at him. Don't <laughs> listen to his falsetto. Oh, my God. It's like at the end of Indiana Jones and the uh, the Last Crusade. No, the Temple. Uh, Crystal Skull? Raiders of the Last Ark. It's like, keep your eyes closed. Don't look at yeah, Don't look at, <laughs> don't look at the, the Ark. <laughs> don't um, don't look do at that, say... that masculine pain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't be drawn oh, in. <laughs> Shut your eyes, Mary, and don't look at it no matter what happens. When women see that, they their eyes melt out of their sockets. It's crazy. I do want to say, I roasted you guys for that music club, but it was only because I was so jealous that I wasn't invited. Well, it's what we could I was re- like, I would have brought the best shit to that. I would have brought my A game. It's like something we could do, but it's, I will say. No, I don't think I have the attention span anymore. I don't think anyone does. No. It's like, um, it's hard to do. But I will say it was fun for a couple times. Sorry, the mas- don't look at the masculine pain. <laughs> don't look at So we all got hit by the Love tidal bug. wave that was for Emma. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because now when I listen to that album, I remember it was so fresh. I remember what you're saying. Like yeah, it yeah. just sounded, the guitar sounded twangy and close and then also thick. Yeah. And the vocals were weird and there's kind of goofy parts and there's some vocoder. And, but also now I listen to it and it sounds like nostalgia to me. I'm mm. like, it makes me feel young, which is really funny. <laughs> it makes me feel young. Totally. I was wondering if um, just in general... Uh, there were any songs that perhaps spoke to you guys that you really felt like you had some thoughts you wanted to share? I could start as an example. Please so, do. So, uh, so Lump Sum, Choir of Vernons, the layered yes. sort of chamber vocals are so cool in this. To me, it sounds like a rhythmically rushing guitar, the way it kind of comes in, like with this speed, and it kind of starts to take over a bit more of the song. And I feel like it really brings you into like this very sort of strange space. And I think when you know the story of the album, sort of sometimes I think of the cabin. Oh but, yeah. But more often I think of like old European church. You know, when you go like when if you ever you know when you're in Europe or yeah. even somewhere like the space when you kind of walk in and it's like the you're struck by like the height of the ceiling, but it's like dark in yeah. the corners. Yeah. But there's a lot of space. Like that's what kind of the song feels like to me. But like his lyrics even now to me still sometimes sound. Like I'm like I'm not totally sure what he's saying. Yeah, no. Like, oh, fit, d- especially fit. on this album. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like it's like that idea of like fitted into my doldrums or something. But it, like it sounds right. Like it yeah. feels right. But it's like it almost doesn't matter. But like the the lyrics are so effervescent sometimes. Like they're just like it verges on cigarettes. Like it's yes. like it, it it's you're like I don't know what he's saying here. I also find that his naming conventions for his songs are really hard to remember. Oh yeah, especially yeah. on the second album. Yes, but more I'm, on that one. Yeah. More on that one because at least sometimes the title is in the song on this first album. Oh, Skinny Love. Skinny Love. He says that. And, uh, but you have Spotify telling you what the lyrics are? 
when re- listening to this album in preparation for this, I just stopped doing it because I kept being like, "What? Those are the lyrics?" Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I was like, "What?" It, it's funny with, with with bands like this. It's like you have your own version of the lyrics that you yeah. actually kind of like. Yeah, you're kind of like you feel drawn yes. to them, even yes. if they're wrong. You and those lyrics have been through a lot together. That's right. So when you're told like, "Nah," <laughs> on your backs and the racks of the stacks, you love them. Like, no. Is that it? On your back, like like holes. <laughs> I'm like, all right. <laughs> on your back, on the rack, are the stacks you hold. I can't remember. It's one of those. Yeah, it really almost feels like the words. Being a big words guy, it's it's kind of refreshing sometimes to hear an artist like this, where it's like the words almost don't really matter because there's so much you're feeling from it. But almost again, it almost doesn't matter like what he's tr- feeling as much as what is he's like trying to make you feel something. To me, is a bit unique. Like it feels so often. People are trying to draw you in, like, I'm feeling this, I'm bringing you in, which is not bad and not wrong. Most music does that. Like, I was talking to my wife about this earlier, mm. and it felt like like one reviewer said that this album almost feels too intimate, like you're intruding on something. And I, I disagree with that because I think this feels like a quiet invitation, like like two people are having a, a conversation in a corner, and you're sort of ushered over and you're brought into it, you know? Like, it's yeah. like you're you're being invited in. Like, you're yeah. welcome here, but it's like uh, we're sort of sharing something with you and pushing it out towards you. And I, and I find that part of why I don't find this record as sad as maybe some people do, because it feels like you're just sort of being brought along to feel whatever emotions it's going to make you feel. Yeah. yeah. Versus Dashboard Confessional, which is... <laughs> this guy's about to just, like, puke all of his heartbreak out on the table. Right, he's, you have to deal with it, not him. Yeah. So to follow when you said Kill, I think Blindsided is a song that I don't remember like being that crazy about. I mean, I liked it. It's sad, but not emo, which is a hard for, especially with this genre of music and yeah. falsetto crooning with mm-hmm. a large bearded man with a small guitar. You know, you're like, this is going to be emo, but it's sad, but it's not emo. It's got some movement to no. it. It's super simple. It's a very effective song in getting across. I just love that ending. You know, it's like, would you really rush out? I like yeah. that part for me is just such a great moment. Really rush out, I'd say on this record, one of the main notes I have written is like this guy knows how to build a song. Yeah. Patiently, yeah. effectively, to where at the end, you're never mad you had to wait for that extra 30 seconds or a minute. You know, but then there's also like another note I'd say is at the end of the song, the wolves, like such a sad and serious song. And mm-hmm. the end is that weird thing where all those like funny like those like someday my pain at the end he gets yeah. kind of goofy with them. Yeah, he does. And he's yeah. mean, like, he's got like all these tracks. He's got like maybe five or six vocal yeah. tracks. Yeah. And some of them he's like kind of goofing around. And you're like, Yeah. Oh, this must have been near the end of this time when he was getting a little loopy or maybe hitting the whiskey too hard or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, late night session. Yeah. It's weird. So it's just weird to me, like it's such a serious record, but there's also like these moments where you're like, Oh, he's really goofy on this. Well, I think the the thing is, like to your point, Kale, it's like he builds emotions, like he builds these songs, so it's like the lyrics aren't quite on the nose, mm-hmm. neither is the music. The music doesn't even really follow a traditional verse, chorus, verse, chorus, w- bridge, whatever. Only a few songs. He right? just kind of like, kind of fashions these things, and that's what is so compelling about it. Is mm-hmm. you're like he's doing it until it's right, and then he's out, mm-hmm. and then we're done. I found this fascinating in researching for this record, where when he went out to the cabin, he was like, like had mono, 
was like really depressed, had not had a good time in Raleigh. It was just like in a very bad place, like dark, dark 20s experience. Like, yeah, don't know what direction to go. And had brought a laptop of old songs he'd worked on. And when he was at the cabin, the laptop totally died and mm. deleted all of his old files. And he actually felt a lot of like almost like a lift from that. He's yeah. like, you know what? I'm I'm wanting to do something new here, and he actually buried the laptop in the yard. Oh God! <laughs> at like a, I don't know if he had like a little ceremony for it, but it was like symbolically, it was like this is done. Yeah. And I didn't get the sense from reading him talk about the experience that he felt like it was like magical or anything. Like he said, he left and he still didn't feel super well, but mm. he would go through on like twelve or fourteen hour sprints where he would just be like working on stuff, and then had an old MacBook where he was doing you know Pro Tools and stuff, but was just sort of like feverishly working on it, but it wasn't like he necessarily knew, oh, I'm making like the, what everyone's going to be talking about in a couple of years, which is, you know, and who knows? It's just, it's crazy. 2022. It's crazy yeah. to me that that it worked, that you were like, I'm going to reject all that stuff. I'm not happy with my old songwriting. And then I'm just going to do this new thing and just see what yeah. comes out. And like yeah. that it produced this is like, it. I don't know, maybe it's something where it's a good, reminder for us making stuff that you know sometimes it's good to sort of like burn it all down just just kind of do what you don't think you makes sense don't you want to just do that Chris don't you just want to go away <laughs> well no I mean, yeah and I, ha- I have so and it's and it's it, it's like I think you do get into these head spaces of like which I think is so apparent on this album here's a here's a guy who's like only got it's only him I don't think there's any other players on this. Maybe there's a couple credited ones, but it's like at the end. I think like most of the album, it was done there and there in the spot. And like when you're in those positions, like you are just building a cathedral in your mind. Mm -hmm. You're like layering things on top of layering things and listening back. Like there's a bit of madness to the whole thing, and you can go on these benders of recording. And it's so that's it. It is intimate to that effect, Mm -hmm. Um, and so personal. Um, and you really fall into it. And Unlike it, the next one, yeah, which is super produced, like the, I you li- super produced. <laughs> it's produced. <laughs> I mean, twenty two a million. Twenty two a million is super. Produced. Uh, that's super produced with like capital P producer kind of vibes. Like that's real production. <laughs> but you listen to like the drums and like just the cleanliness of the, of the next record. Is I mean, like, this is this record this, is raw. in its. In its sloppiness, though, it's it's beautiful. Oh yeah. Oh, hundred percent. The sloppiness—it's almost like how can you be sloppy so well on purpose? Yeah. I know it isn't on purpose, but it feels on purpose, and that's yeah. one thing I always tried to teach myself when we were making music. I kept being like, "Man, some of my favorite records, a singer will sing like at a key on a part." Yeah. And the first time you hear, it, you're like, "Ugh," but you kind of learn to love it because the human side mm-hmm. of it, right? And I remember thinking like more times than one, you'd have to be like. Let's take that guitar part again. So, or like these vocals, I didn't really like the way I sang that. But you listen, you'd be like, the emotions there, I like how the emotion sounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we'd be like, okay, hey, everyone just is going to accept this how you present it. Yeah. No one's going to be like, were there other takes that were better? It's fine. <laughs> so yeah, you yeah. just do it. And yeah. I guarantee from the Forama yeah. sessions, there's lots of yeah. hours of his life he oh, away totally. recording just garbage. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or stuff. Maybe one day he'll release it, the Forama tapes. I, I heard the tapes. I read that he would record um, when he was working on vocals, he would just do gibberish, how like, you know, some people talk about it. Yeah. But then he would do different 
takes of gibberish, and then he would actually overlay them on top of each other uh. for the same song, and then he would just start writing down what he heard, which oh, is yeah, how I, he wrote a lot of the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, I've read that. Yeah, yeah. Which it's, is also so insane, but it's also a, well, it's cool. almost like he was like, "What is my inner consciousness saying?" Yeah, <laughs> but th- that's also just a method of having the lyrics match the music. Like that's a common like Talking Heads used to do it. I think, pretty sure, um, especially on their loopier kind of like. We're just gonna jam on this for seven minutes and figure out what the the words that should go over it, you know. And I mm-hmm. think that that's a way of ma- making the the words match the tonality of the whole piece. Well, I do know Paul and John did that too. Yes, a little bit. Right. So it's scrambled so- eggs. Yeah, yesterday, like that. That's the famous. Like it was scrambled eggs. Was the lyric scrambled when he woke eggs. scrambled eggs. Oh, no, 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 scrambled eggs. And then he just kept, and then it was then it became yesterday. It became yesterday because oh, wow. he knew the, the film, the rhythm of it. Yeah, and then yeah, and then it became the film. This is good. So why don't we move into some tasty treats, gentlemen? Yes, Let's do some tasty treats. Now, a tasty treat. It is an audible goodie for the ear. Yeah. You stick in your ear hole. Yeah. This doesn't have to be a specific instrument or melody or anything. It's just a moment, a snippet of the album that you think is worthy of pointing out. Kale, why don't you why don't you start us off? Yeah. Absolutely. A lot of tasty treats in this record. A lot of really unique, interesting moments. One that stuck out to me was on uh, Blindsided. He sings the line for the agony. I'd rather know, and then, but um, there, there's a moment in in where he's singing this line. The thing I really love about Blindsided, and I was surprised that it was like floating to the top for me out of the songs on this, is that I think one of the things he does really well on this and the next record is build. Like he does really yeah. interesting yeah. builds. It you yeah. feel momentum starting to grow in the song, and I really like. I feel like Blindsided kind of gives you. It's sort of like almost like a crowd pleaser as much as he goes for that on this record. Like it kind of for me gives you everything you want. Gives you the build, gives you like more audible lyrics. It's a little more straightforward in what it's attempting. I think he just the way the way he delivers that line at that point in the song, I just love. And I think a big thing is like it does have a lot of catharsis. And mm-hmm. I like I think in this album, one of the things that I felt like it gave me was, and probably for a lot of people, is like if they're feeling sad, it's a place to like feel those feelings. Someone else is feeling those things. Tasty. Treat. Hey. hey, everybody. <laughs> Those guys, yeah, we just find our third host. Uh, well, let's save Chris for last because I, I think. Um, I've got a couple. I've only got two. But well, you can sure. have as many as you want. But I thought I've only in got two. In this house. <laughs> okay, um, go. For me, in the song The Wolves, uh, parts one and three, I, I love that it's kind of like a hint of things to come, but also. Yeah, this is my thing. Oh, is it? Go, yeah, go, go. Um, oh. The first time you hear him use the vocoder. I think it's auto-tune. It's, no, or, I auto-tune. think it's auto-tune. Yeah, auto-tune, yeah. vocoder. I kind of use those interchangeable. It's probably not a vocoder. It's probably auto-tune. I think it is auto-tune. He uses auto-tune. It's blatant. Like, it's there, but it's not, like, front it's and center. It's so subtle. It's and you're like, most, it might be the most tasteful. I'm going to go on record saying it's the most tasteful auto-tune I've ever heard. I'll second that. Really? <laughs> It was yeah, like just so One good. Might have been lost. Yeah, it's so good. One might have been lost. He goes on to use it quite a bit. Well, then, with yeah, Woods on, on Blood Bank. On Blood Bank, 
and then that, words, right? It, well, still or whatever. Yeah, and then because then then Kanye uses it in, on fans right. fantasy. I'm lost in the world. Yeah, it, and that's like a full vocal thing. And then he uh, auto tune. I don't know why I keep calling it vocal. Uh, well, I don't know. Like it, I'm from the '70s. I'm like <laughs> the vocal. Well, it could be. It, I don't it's auto tune. It's auto tune. It okay. is auto tune. Okay. You're 100 percent right. Uh, that's but yeah. One thousand percent my top tasty treat of this whole thing and it is like the most almost imperceptible thing and it's so unexpected as well <laughs> totally because his record sounds like well if like he's a, go, out, cabin. out killing deer in the woods you're like oh, you don't expect him to have auto-tune on his <laughs> freaking setup you know mm-hmm. what i mean mm-hmm. like you think he'd be going to tape but that i think that that's what's so interesting about justin vernon is that he does have these kind of contradictions his later stuff is super gear mm-hmm. heavy you know what i mean but yeah. he's got this like persona of bearded guy from middle of nowhere but a part of that is he sh- he shook that off and he's always changing right so that's, yeah that's, that's really mm-hmm. good for, for good good for you justin yeah keep it so, up. wow we got we got a double taste of treat here there you go that's it's so not the first sad. time it's happened but this one yeah actually i'm not surprised you know chris we i mean our children were born we, eight hours from we each other i our mean children being born th- together so exactly so what's your other taste of treat then? oh okay so well, I, I actually do have, i do have two other ones so I, I think that what really smacks you in the face on this record that is so interesting or at least what made me like kind of lean in on it is like first part of flume that like 40 seconds in they you hear the dulcimer kind of yeah, buzzing twanging and twanging buzzing. thing and you're like it's you're like what is that it could be an acoustic guitar just kind of buzzing it could be like a dulcimer it could be like an ebo kind of thing on like yeah a magnet on the guitar you're just like what oh, it feels is like a mistake it? almost yeah but he uses sure. it so effectively it's like that. There were a few moments on the record where I'm like, it, what is like, that? What's like, going uh, on? Is yeah. that, yeah, what instrument is that? Is, is, it, is, it, is that slide guitar or is he just playing that weird? And, like, and it's not a sloppy enough record you can say he just left it in. It's like, no, he No, it's choice. so intentional. It's he such a, a great choice. And it's like early in the record and you're like, this isn't just singer-songwriter, mm-hmm. couple chords, acoustic guitar. It's going to go places. That's the, the moment in the oh, record that true. I'm like, all right. That's Buckle true. Up. He's like showing you. He's like, this. This ain't just gonna be. This ain't no dashboard confession. <laughs> this ain't. Yeah. <laughs> this ain't just a sad guy in the woods. You know, we did. We 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 kind of skipped over the song Flume, but I do think that's an amazing song. Yes. Yeah. Um. As a side note, I wanted to point out uh, we used to do have a section called Covered and Smothered, but we never really do it anymore. Or we talk about famous covers of the song, but two really good covers I've heard of this song is Peter Gabriel on a cover album covers yeah, Flume, and yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. There's and then a good recently, love. I've heard. Uh, fuck. Maybe uh, well, it was probably lots of good skin. I mean, what's her yeah. name? Birdie does one, I think. Yeah, she oh does every good indie hit from that time. Yeah. But the other one is uh, Phineas did one, and I it was really good. Uh, I was like, really? Phineas showing some of his uh, influence, I guess. But Phineas Eilish. Yeah, who's got just his hands in everywhere. Yeah, like we were, you and me were texting when the movie uh, Turning Red came out. He did all the boy band music for that movie. <laughs> so weird, right? Phineas, what can't he do? Uh, but yeah, I just thought it was a really good cover. Just just to be pointed out that 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 song is very coverable. I feel like yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. again weird lyrics. 
Yeah, okay. whole album filled with that. And then my other little one that I just remembered is in Creature Fear, mm-hmm. right be- before he goes into the chorus of so many There's like this like door shutting totally gets you ready for the chorus. You're like, whoa. Something. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. I just picked it up today. I was like, this is great. And he does that a lot in the second record, which I'm curious yeah. to talk about. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I wrote down, I thought my line for that was, so many thickets full. <laughs> I have no idea. Like, that. I was like, I don't know what it means, but I like it. That, honestly, that I might like be it. where the lyrics are. That's, that, that, that chorus comes up yeah, all I, the time. I have one more Tasty Treats. Oh, yeah. really? Since I am the one editing it, I'll allow more Tasty Treats. Sure. In the song team, which really, I see the song team is basically just like, he just took the second half of Creature Fear and just took it, made it another track. But yeah. when I listen to the album, I always feel like, oh man, this song just took off. Yeah, but it yeah. is another, it's a new it's song a new technically, track. but it's not. Because live, yeah. I'm sure it's all one song. Yeah, yeah. But when that bass comes in. It's the first time you really hear a, like a, a like loud electric bass. Yeah. It reminds me of the song The Chain by Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> yeah. Dum, do, 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 do. Just yeah. like a bass just kind of like, boom, I'm here. Yeah. And it's turned up in the mix. Yeah. Bass guitars don't usually get that much love. No. But mm-hmm. there, it's just like this bass comes in just like, and so yeah, I, that's my other taste dream. All right, that means we're moving on to Heroes. Heroes and Zeros. And Zeros. Heroes. Is the song you think is the best? Yeah. What's your favorite song? And Zero is, we're not, just if you had to, you know, we're just saying if you had to, if we, if we made you, if someone put a gun to your head, what's the song you cut? I think the thing I've, I found with Zero to be helpful is on both, I found both of these tough to do for both records. Yeah. And I think Zero, the way to think of it is just like if you had to cut, if you're doing like, you know, the Kelly cut, the Judy cut, the Lawrence yeah. cut, and someone's like, you got to cut one. It's not that you don't think it's necessarily a bad song. Yeah. Well, you got to cut one. Well, if it had to be, if I was actually cutting it for time or whatever, I'd cut team. Cause well, I just, just turn for, it, I just put it into the other song. Or I'd add it to the I'd other song. It. That's, yeah, that's how you Okay, maybe, not, maybe there's a little, what's your emotional cut, though? Not necessarily My emotional just... cut is blindsided only because, <gasps> I know, I know, a controversial take, but it's so down the middle of everything else, like, to just personally. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Like, is... Dynamic in weird ways and stuff like that. Surprising. Blindsided just kind of feels a bit down in the middle to me. But that, I mean, this is a really tough. I mean, this this is really, really, really. really I basically chose a zero because we had to, but uh, that's interesting. That's interesting. I I see Blindsided as kind of like a nice, like, uh, it's almost like a center point, you know? Mm. Uh, But I totally hear what you're saying. I, I chose Lump Sum kind of for the same reason. That's yeah. my zero. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't hate the song. It's just out of everything, it skipped that song. I feel like what you're missing is not much. So I uh so I just went with like I mean I I just said cut team, but yeah, I also He's, pra- he's pragmatic. Like, he's pragmatic. But, but I was technical. Being, I was just being pragmatic, but I realized think talking about it now, that is the technical cut. Um, yeah, I didn't really pick an emotional cut. Do you know, that's so. okay because team okay. is a good choice. Honestly, I think if we were all allowed, if I allowed us when doing a technical one, we'd all agree team just doesn't need to be there. Yeah, yeah. but if it was just 
if you just emotionally it, though, I find that just, fascinating. That's you just push team into. Just make <laughs> you it can't do that. <laughs> and yeah, okay, then I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Team know. doesn't suck. It's no, just kind of no, like, not at all. It's, it's just frivolous. It's, he, well, and he does it again on the next record. He just has. I, this I tiny was just gonna say song. he does this tiny song like. I don't know what, why he had to do that. Maybe they're like, we need one more track from you. He's like, cool, click, cut, <laughs> yeah. send. Okay. Okay, so, what's the hero? What's the so hero? Let's hear a hero. Let's, let's hear. Uh, so why don't we, we go back around. So Chris, why don't you start? Uh, uh, man, your hero? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I really don't know. Do you want us to go first so you can have more time to? Yeah. It's like I, when the waitress comes, you're like, oh, take my order last. I have like three, I don't know. I'm like creature fear in my household. Like my wife sings the chorus of Creature, Creature Fear all the time, and so I'm kind of like, oh, okay, there's that one. That would, but that's special. Yeah, yeah. That's I haven't nice. heard I like Lauren that. sing very much. She has oh, a singing voice. Yeah, she's got a great singing voice. She sings all the time. I like that choice. It's a good. Okay, choice. there you go. That's personal. Creature Fear is a great right. song. I like great that. Song. She's thinking about singing the thickets. In so the many thickets full. <laughs> <In> the t- <laughs> I do love that. I don't want to know the lyrics. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I, I actually stopped. I like minimize, you know, like, minimize the thing yeah, on Spotify. Yeah. I was like, go away. Go away, yeah. That's like for me, like the album is summed up in that little melody in that chorus for some reason. Yeah. It's like very nostalgic. Um, I chose Re Stacks, past one, uh, Songs to Make You Cry, is it? Or Songs to Make You Sleep? Oh. Or Sleepy Time playlist. Sleepy Time, yep. I put yep. this on the Sleepy Time one. Um, I love this song. It's so special to me. One time when I was in India, every time we did this walk go walk to this place i would listen to this song because someone told me you know you know you have a song that reminds you of a place mm. you can just force that to happen but just listen to the song on purpose oh yeah and so i did that so i think of walking along this river every morning yeah it's it's that's burned in it worked yeah. but also um i just think this song is so gentle and beautiful and like all it really is is just his voice and guitar you know mm. and mm-hmm. I, just, I don't know something it feels like he's whispering in my ear and it's tickling my ear a little bit because you know people talk in your ear it's always like tickling and then the other thing is, uh, talking about covers, is Noah Cyrus covered this song. And that was kind of how I was like, I think I love her. Like, I think, <laughs> like, as, a, as an artist. I mean, well, maybe if she's interested, maybe Rena would be a okay couple with that. thing. You know, hearing her sing it, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, if, you, this, if you're covering this song by Bonnie we you get it. You get it. So yeah. I like you. But, yeah. yeah, I just love that song. It's just the chords and the melody and the... The crow tossing, faking, tossing the ring or whatever he's talking about. I don't know. He says something about a crow holding his keys and faking a toss. That's great. I don't know. I the I wrote down a line for that one. That was this is pouring rain. This is paradise. Is that I don't this know if that's the line. This is pouring rain. Yeah. This, this is, is paradise. That's, that's you just summed up Vancouver. That's yeah. I, that's I know. It makes me think of Vancouver. Ah, yeah. Yet he made a song about Calgary on the next record. So I also was struggling to choose. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to pull a bit of a Lucas here and go with uh, the like the big one. But uh, I will say Skinny Love is my hero for this. Sure. Because it's not my my favorite song on the record. Like I I was leaning towards Restacks as 
as my favorite, but I think I I was like, if if neither of you chose it, I was like, I feel like it has to get called out because it is one of the great songs, I think. Yeah. So my wife was like, you know, she's like, I, she's only ever heard Skinny Love. She's never heard any other Bonnie Bear. Whoa. But she's like, I love that song. She's like, that for me, and she's very pragmatic. She's like, that's up there with House of the Rising Sun, with Hurt. Um, wow. She's like, wow. Skinny, and then Skinny Love. She's like, that's one of the, like the great songs that like. It's quite the compliment. I know, and I thought about it, and I was like, you know, she's. She's got something like the idea, like like you know, you think of House of the Rising Sun. That feels like, or Hurt even too. Like those are songs that feel like they came out of the sky. Like how did they write those? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And, and there is something to this whole record, but especially the song. When you, you know when you've made something and it feels like you've, it wasn't all you. You know, it feels like something yeah. else was involved. There's a timelessness to the, that particular song. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. And it does have a good structure. It's got to like, yeah, it yeah. feels I right. Mean, it, yeah, that I've, chorus is just a banger. It's a barn burner. Yeah, it's so big, and we've heard so often in the last yeah twelve bit. years that yeah. it's hard sometimes. Because even for me, listening to it today, I was like, man, like just the and even the amount of covers. I feel like I've heard of that song too. I just feel like I, I feel like I feel like that song deserves to get called out in the in the hero section. And I told you to be patient And I told you to be fine And I told you to be balanced And I told you to be kind Even if it's maybe not like my You know, if I want to get, go get under a fleece blanket And think about, you know, my life I'd probably go with Restacks or something Because that almost feels like skinny love to me But with a little more uh, mystery. They're, they're cut from the same cloth. It feels. Yeah, they're they're they very that, similar. That's kind of the weird, normal sounding chords, but then when you try and play the guitar, you're like, huh? Yeah. That's not a normal chord. No. Yeah, it's interesting. He doesn't make it sound complicated. It's very sounds very simple. But one thing I really liked that Justin Vernon said about this record, which made me feel like this dude a lot, like where his head's at, is that Emma isn't actually so much a person and the album isn't about a relationship as much as it is needing something from somebody else and not getting it back. And that's kind of where he said the idea of skinny love comes from because he's like, the love's skinny because it's very like, you know, it's something you need, it's not something you're giving. Like, that's why it's thin because mm -hmm. it's not full. Yeah. It's like malnourished. Yeah, it's like the, like the album is more about the idea of this despondency rather than like an actual, you know, actual breakup, which I think is also nice that it creates a lot of space for us to come in and be like, well, this is how it makes me feel and how I relate to it. And that idea that he's kind of going for is, I think, really cool that he's not trying to make it so specific. And it just kind of works where it's like it's not, but it's not so obscure either that like it doesn't, you can't connect to it. Like we really connect to it. It leaves enough space for us to imprint on it. Mm -hmm. Yes. We are now talking about Bonnie Ver's second album, which is just called Bonnie Ver or self-titled. I don't. Can you call it self-titled? I think it's self, same, same. Self-titled's easier. So in the in, yeah. in looking this up, the technical title is Bonnie Ver, Bonnie Ver. Yeah, but it's, it's that's silly. Too much Bonnie Ver. So we yeah, can just yeah. call it the self-titled. Ten-year anniversary re-release is out this year, which is very exciting. With that, I don't know if either of you have read this. I'm happy to share with you, but Phoebe Bridgers wrote a really beautiful essay oh. for the re-release. Oh, cool! Phoebe does it again? Does no eh? wrong. Does and and I have to tell you guys, I I it's too long to read on the air, but like listener, go seek she it out. She nails it. Oh my god, yeah. she nails it. It's so good. It's it's one of those things where you're like, wow, and you're also like an amazing writer, like amazing. And but she's pretty and she's funny. She's on Comedy <laughs> Bang Bang. She made me laugh. Really? Is she? Oh, yeah, it's that. a worthy episode. Great. And she's hilarious. It's amazing. She's also, there's a really good episode 
of the Paris Review. Yes, I've heard this. Oh, my God. So Connor Ratliff, host of Dead Eyes, reads this incredible story. Like, it's the whole episode. Violets by Bud Smith. Yes. Oh, my God. I heard that, and I became a fan of it. I just bought his new book. It just came out last week. Okay, cool. Well, I really loved it, too. And and then, then Phoebe plays... Right? And she, oh, I think it's so, so and she um, reads a couple poems. Listener, check it out. La Patria of the Speaking of the 10th anniversary of this thing, there's an awesome track on the 10th anniversary or the reissue or whatever the thing is, which is songs. They, they put the whole, his whole four or five song session at Air Studios on the reissue. Yes. Oh, it's nice. so good. And he does that, he does a Bonnie Raitt cover on it that is like so great. I can't make you love me, which is, I mean, it, that that whole session is is so great. The the YouTube truly is even better because yeah. like it shows him and S. Carey dueling pianos and stuff like that. I watched that video today because I find um, that cover is like, yeah, oh my god, yeah, just right in the right in the heartstrings, you know? Yeah. Woo. So self titled, big pressure, big pressure album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, as far as a career goes, Blood Bank was good. People like Blood Bank. I like Blood Bank. It was a good stall. It's mm-hmm. dark though. Blood Bank is not a. It's not showing you what's to come. Yeah, I have a feeling that Blood Bank has maybe some B sides. Although I do love the song in Blood Bank. Yeah, I would argue that he not only does he overcome the pressure, he like blows it out of the water because he didn't try and make the for same Emma again. No, yeah, no, no. But he gave us a little bit of it here and there, just enough that we still were like, yes. still giving us what we want. Mm-hmm. But he's also stretching us. He's stretching us out like a little bit. Our ears are getting bigger. Yeah. He's he's make he's challenging us. Sometimes it's hard challenges. You know, like for the average listener, probably that first track, which almost sounds like a hardcore band's <laughs> like interlude, With, without distortion. Yeah, well, yeah. it's just light. it's a touch. But then other things where he, you know, he he's adding horns and he's adding more production value. Like mm-hmm. you said, it is very produced. Yep. Um, Two drummers. Yeah. But I would say it's it's almost like when Dylan went electric. It's like it's good. <laughs> it's good. It's a it's a step that needed to happen. It's a good. What? A, wow. Yeah. I mean, like when Dylan went electric, people rioted. No one rioted after this. No. <laughs> no. But maybe there's like a some mean comments on a message. Board. I'm picturing like a like a woman getting a Starbucks and hearing it and be like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like God. lightly ruffled. No, like, yeah. Someone maybe like <laughs> forgot how hot their Starbucks was and they burnt their tongue. Yeah. Oh wow, yeah, that that's that's how extreme this felt. I mean, this is what I find with this record is that it's a, it, you're right, a lot of pressure. He did something different enough, and I actually think it's what happened the next album that contextualizes this album in in the path because this is a very in my opinion very mainstream album it feels more mainstream it feels like oh. it feels like it, it is middle of the road but in interesting ways mm-hmm. like it's got everything's very slick and it produced it meanders in 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 ways that maybe aren't mainstream but it's it's cool this album i loved it i own it on vinyl i absolutely love it i met my wife at a summer camp in maine the home, all summer camps are the home of acoustic music, right? Acoustic guitars. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that is where acoustic... Campfires. That is where, that's where this music goes to thrive. And then when I was there, when I met my wife, the big thing was John Mayer, yeah. 
Oh, and yeah. every guy, your, your body is a wonderland. Your body's yeah, that neon. problem. Oh, daughters, oh, yeah. neon. Oh, no, daughters hadn't come out yet. In my time, it Our was first like episode. Why Georgia? Why all? The, you know, right? Oh, and yeah. it, that's what all of us twenty-year-olds would learn and woo girls with. And did all, you know neon? No, but my my best friend that's Phil. A hard my, time no, my best friend Phil did. Um, we then went to Berkeley to meet the teacher that taught. John Mayer, the, like, how to play guitar and stuff. We were really nerded out over it. So that's 2000 through 2001, 2002, 2003. We're there. That's the music that we're embracing. We're in America. Mm-hmm. We're in the Greek system of sororities, fraternities. This is the kind of music they're loving. Flash forward to 2011 when this album came out. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking on the camp's Instagram at the time. They release a video of uh, Hasseline. Uh, was it? Hasseline. Ha- 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 yeah. Okay. They release a promotional video for the camp with that song attached to it. Oh, my God. And I'm like, Whoa. this is the new John Mayer, Dave Matthews band. No shade. Wow. But this is the kind of music that dude, college... 20-year-olds are Matthews playing around a campfire. Huge. Dave Matthews was way more beloved than So qu- question, though, question. Yeah. Riz is a very interesting question. So yeah. do you think the self-titled record got there because of how it sounded or because of how popular 4MO was? Like, uh, yeah, I think, I think it built on the momentum. I think both. I think, I think, yeah, I think it was both. I think what kind of, like, changed the course of his career made him not do a Mumford and Sons, mm-hmm. I, I would argue, are, are the butt of a joke. Mm-hmm. It's all the other things, like, all the weird-ass things that he ended up doing after this album. Gotcha. That kind of defined him as, like, oh, no, no, this guy is just kind of, he's doing his own thing. This was exactly the right album at the exact right time for him. So if you're gonna sort of finish what you were your thought earlier, so twenty two a million, you think contextualize it in that this is the one where it's like he's giving you a little more of what you want, yeah. But then twenty two was like, oh, whoa, wait. we're going weird. We're going to the galaxy. That's right. That's but right. There's also a giant gap between those two albums, right? Totally. But it, it makes this one seem less mainstream in my kind of recontextualization. Mm, but there's it. definitely hints where he's like, I'm yeah. getting into some other stuff, and it's, it's yes, like maybe not yes. good. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. feel like if, if this is what is mainstream in 2011, I'm like, 2011 was a good year. If this is like no, what's... No, totally. You know, but, like in my... In you my think sense. 2012... Uh, I think 2012 or 2010. No, 2010, the suburbs wins the same oh, category. Yeah. Uh, you, Arcade yeah. Fire. Right? So, you know, like, obviously Grammys is finally like kind of like picking up on this like independent music... Yeah. Re- like resurgence. Yeah, that radio re- music like, is not the only. Yeah, 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 yeah. and and so. I, but there is an argument to be made that there's not like a big single off this record, really. I mean, like uh, with ex- the exception of Halloween. 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 I would argue with Chris Knight because I think it is because it like that well, song won it won Song of the Year at the Grammys. Yeah, or it was that's nominated true, for that's Song true. of the Year at the Grammys. Yeah, it was, I guess I was that just song was at the top. everywhere. Ha- like it's Hal- it is it is a great song. It's like it's a great song. It, it, but I hear you though, Lucas. Like I, I don't even re-listening to this record a bunch. Now, like out of the context of what's popular at the time, I was like, I don't hear any like inherent singles in this. Like any of the no. songs, if you put them in a certain context, could potentially be popular if the right people heard them. But it, this album is popular in the way that people who want to do like a boat tour of the house sound is popular. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's beautiful. <laughs> 
but it's like for a very specific experience yeah, that you're going sure, for. Yeah. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, like that's where I feel like, like listening to this record just made me feel. But... It's interesting you guys keep saying Halloween because to me, Halloween is the one song that feels like it could just be off forever. It's the strongest touchstone to that record to me. Uh, the way he sings, the simplicity uh, of it, the way it's kind of like tonally and energetically kind of like held back a little bit. The first two songs, dude, are they're insane. Perth, I've mentioned this already. It has like that crazy yeah. like da now 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 like breakdown with big drums yeah. and like distorted guitars. It's almost feels like almost like mathcore. And then yeah. the next song, Minnesota, has like a weird like mathcore intro with like a reggae beat. I never would have yeah. guessed that he would go here on his second record. Like, it's really... Yeah, odd. it's a, definitely a zag. Oh, yeah. yeah like, banjos, guitars, horns on the second track. And then, yeah, then Halcyon is, like, the one where it's like, okay, he's still Justin Vernon. Yeah. He's still doing the Mountain Man thing. Yeah, sure. But yeah, then, like, yeah. then again, then it goes on to, like... Uh, Michigant. Michigant, yeah. Just, it just, like... That's, I feel like that's very for Emma. Yeah, like I the mean, opening there's, there's of like that. There's like three or four tracks. But it is interesting to me. Like, I, I don't view, I view this as a like almost flawless second record. Like, I don't see it as like overproduced. But I also don't have the same context. I didn't really get into this record till a bit later. No, but I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't call it more produced. He's literally just, I feel like he's just taking advantage of the opportunities that are being presented for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, where he's like, I didn't have anything before. I mean, he's like, oh yeah, I'll get a bass player and I'll get a, a drummer and yeah. I'll get a sax guy. Like, yeah. like he's just going like, let's and just the, do this. The yeah. sax like, is surprising. It's possible. Colin Stetson, I think. I think you're right. Yes. I think yeah. it is. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. He so with the influence he had too. Yeah, he brought in Colin Stetson. Um, oh, he brought in a really famous bassist. I'm blanking on the name of. And what I read Flea. in the production of this, Flea. That's right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You can tell. <laughs> <laughs> you want some spice in this song? <laughs> yeah. He was saying that basically the idea was to bring in he had the structure of all the songs down and then he'd bring in all these different people to then mm. like add your thing to it like change it like sort of like rearrange the furniture in the room I've set up yeah right, right. I would say like is one of the things that's mi- helped make his subsequent records all quite good and quite interesting is that yeah. he continued it, it's like Bonnie Vera is not about him anymore it's it's about everyone else coming in and being like let's all talk about what we feel this is which is a very midwestern approach to it too which I appreciate <laughs> that he's not like it's not about me it's about now inviting people in and like this is gonna be all of our thing yeah I think you're right, Chris, that it's like with the influence he brought in those people. And like you're saying, Lucas, like it just takes it in different directions. It lands for us, though. No? Like we like this record? Like it's like. Oh, 100%. I love yeah. this album. I love this. Like I remember thinking to myself, I want to own this mm-hmm. on vinyl. And I bought it. And I was like, yes, I own it. Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's a conscious decision, especially nowadays, to like, yep. own something. And I remember feeling that way. But then also later on feeling like, no, no, this is also maybe the new Dave Matthews band. Like, because, and you That's know. That's so funny, but, dude. Every time you say it, I cringe a little bit because I just get it. I get it. But it's not wrong because you're like, Dave Matthews was very specific about his curation, oh, yeah. about who's in the band, and yep. they're all adding their bits. And if you've ever seen Dave Matthews live, it's absolutely incredible. <laughs> like, like seeing all those players play. Well, like, and it's pretty cool. Wasn't it, wasn't it like a fact that, like, up to like a few years ago, Dave Matthews made the most money touring out of any act? Like, I'm not. Sur- I wouldn't just, be surprised. It, the like, fan. What I mean by that is like the fans show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like with Boniver, if he tours, it's gonna sell out in, yeah. in, in, in like 20 minutes every time. Crash. So why don't we jump into some uh, tasty treats? Tasty, tasty treats. treats. 
Tasty treats. All right, I'll go first go. this time in the song part. First, the first I can remember hearing this album the first time, and thinking the first song, I was like, okay, okay, and then it went like the Oh, you like in. that bit? Like when it all starts happening with the drums, I was like, this is crazy. Like, what is he doing? Yeah. Sometimes there's that thing about artists who make art like to just try and get up like they're so popular and famous they just want to make a a movie or a song that just makes everyone run away and i was like mm. is that what he's doing right now because i yeah because I, I love it i'll never forget the moment but i also just i still it still gives me like a excitement where it's just like oh the song really goes there really gets into this sporadic i feel like the opening hook though is quite a tasty treat though it's so simple just like that kind of hammer on line oh the dissonance it's it's really i mean it's rock and roll yeah yeah i guess that's like a double tasty treat yeah i'll put i'll put them both put them both (laughs) out of order yeah too the end first, then the <laughs> exactly. perfect. Yeah. Kale, you got a tasty treat? A big one for me, and this is an, a very specific one. Love it. But was that it's at 36 seconds into Minnesota, Wisconsin. There's a cymbal crash that comes in, and there's like this interesting drum stuff that's happening in the background. Just tickles something. I'm just mm. like, it's so satisfying. It's like, I didn't know I needed that. I'm like, yes. You never is. do. exactly what I needed right at that moment and then the other one I'd say I thought this was a very interesting choice for a single this is what he played when he was on Stephen Colbert's show back in 2011 but is Calgary um, the opening vibe of that like the organ at the beginning feels very Twin Peaks to me yes yeah, yeah. oh totally yeah yeah, yeah. Twin very... Peaks for sure don't you cherish me again the build is great um there's a line where, again, I heard it as, like, the neck into the shoulder blades. Uh, like, whatever. <laughs> oh, it's like... Uh, uh, da, 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 da. The, the whole thing is just, like, the fuzz, fuzzed-out bridge. I have no child at this time, but the were I to have one and they were to make something cool out of Lego, I almost feel like that's what I would imagine the song to be. It's like, oh, <laughs> I didn't... How you put all this together is really interesting to, and, like, kind of unique. I feel like that's every Bonnie Vera song. He's like, <laughs> whoa, that's not what the instructions say. <laughs> yeah, but, like, but like that kind of cool. works. That it kind of works. I yeah. see where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like this. <laughs> yeah, I like, oh, cool. So the wheels are, are okay. The wheels go on to the just blocky bit. It's like, okay. I wonder what he would do with Lego. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny. I, my, my pick was also, like, uh, Calgary at 114. The drums, when the drums come in. That's my other it one, is, too. It is such a... And they're not actually as hard as I remember them. I was checking it, and I was like, they're actually kind of softer than than, than they feel. Yeah, definitely. But they, 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 when they come in, it's just like, whoa. And that's then, that, then that line of, is, is oh, on fun. top of it is so great. My last tasty treat is the opening moments of Beth Rest are such a left turn Mm. but it's a great you know whatever it is it's like kind of a Rhodes kind of but it's even like but it's not even a Rhodes it's more like like, like, um, I grew up in like a like a a really uh, 
it's like eighties. Like it, it's a conservative church. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And, and not yeah. a Catholic church. No, a no, Protestant church. Uh, yes, and it's that tone was every single worship song. It's e piano. Oh. It's like yeah. on yeah on, on a, a, a shitty Yamaha. Yeah. yeah, and it has that tone, but it hits real hard. What's interesting about that that air session on YouTube where he covers Bonnie Raitt, because in my mind, the tone of Beth Rest and Bonnie Raitt are connected in some way where I'm like, here's 80s, 90s, like not religious people music, but like people who would go to that Protestant church. Mm -hmm. Do do you know what I mean? And like this tone. Like just like dinner music. And you're somehow making it cool. You're somehow making that sound cool. I mean, it kind of, there's also like Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Like the the early, like what we now call Yacht Rock. Yeah. Like they had that kind of that tone, like of like chimey bell synth. Yeah. Piano synth. Yeah. And it's like, it's weirdly perfect on this album. Yeah. And it's out of the left field, like you said, but it's perfect. So lest we forget, he in university was a religious studies major oh. with a woman's studies minor and with a ba- with a side bent into philosophy. So Is he the perfect man? <laughs> <laughs> so all that to say, I think he probably grew up going to some churches in Wisconsin where he probably heard some of this. And I feel like, but exactly what you're saying, Chris, I'm like, how did you make this sound so cool? Yeah. Mixed in with what you're saying, like, so it's like the nostalgia. Like, I fully got, I feel like I got both of that just like yeah. big time. Yeah. So that brings us to Heroes and Zeros. Yeah. Usually we go zero first because it's nice to end positive, but I think we should say Heroes because I think this ties in really good. Uh, my hero is Beth Rest because I fucking love that song. Yes. That song is so good. Uh, it's Beth Rest is also my hero. Woo! See, I'm going to negate everything I said and double down. I love Holocene. Unlike Skinny Love, which is like the clear single, the clear, like, great song from that album, I I like Holocene more than I love Skinny Love. Like, I genuinely think Holocene is a... You think it's his best song? Well, no, it's not his best song. I just, from this album, I, I feel... A lot of feels when I hear that song. Well, especially because your special summer camp, you know, my summer camp, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, but I just, I truly, I think it's a really good song. I think it might be over soon. <laughs> so, do you guys know what a Holocene is? No. So I looked it up because you know every song is some reference to a place. Yes. And so I looked it up, and so the Holocene is the name given to the last uh, eleven thousand seven hundred years of the Earth's history, the time since the end of the last major glacial. Epoch or Ice Age. I got this quote from Vernon specifically for for this song. You called him up and you. I called him up and I was like, Vernie, give me give me the dirt on 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 the song. He was talking about the line like, "Once I knew I was not magnificent." Yeah. He's like, "Our lives feel like these epochs," which I might be saying wrong. But he's like, "Our lives feel like these epochs," but really. Like these big movements, but yeah. really we're just dust in the wind. But I think there's a significance in that insignificance that I was trying to look at in that song. Yeah, significance in the fact that we're only here for a moment, and yet we feel like we are 
our lives feel like you know these really long movement. fast things yeah yeah no yeah. I, I get it okay yeah that's interesting i like that he's t- trying to tap into something like that too where you're like that sounds that could sound in one hand like kind of pretentious and like so grandiose but then it's like he's kind of mm. getting that a little bit you know like he's kind of tapping into something a little ethereal i mean it's a big i mean what the this whole album big sound it is like yeah. it's, oh, yeah. he's going epic on, only, on all of it not yeah. only would i say like Big sound, but also like versus Emma, which feels like, like we said, it's intimate. It feels yeah. like you're yeah. welcoming it in this intimate moment he's kind yeah. of allowing you in. Yeah. This one does feel like it's grand and the big picture concepts and big picture ideas. Totally. But, but again, I do feel like Holocene is the is the, kind of the one part where I feel like it's it's a little more personal and emotional, mm. even though he's talking about the last 11,000 years of Earth. He does reference Third and Lake, which is the old house that he used to live at when he was jamming with those earlier bands, oh. and it burned down or something like that. So there is a ref- jamming with DeYarmond Edison, DeYarmond, or or whatever those other the but- Rosebuds. <laughs> so he they recorded this album. Um, so him and his brother bought an old veterinary clinic that mm. they turned into a recording oh, studio. Cool. Yeah. And he said one of the things that he liked was that it's it's uh three miles from the bar where his parents met and ten miles from the house he grew up in. So very it's like cool. so it's all like the places are all very close. It's like the songs aren't even really about places, but how are people in places and how that can kind of be like yes. a bit of an ephemeral and like how we kind of come in and out of things and anyway. Like like but I agree. Like I like I like that he makes these very specific references to like where he grew up. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's funny that it is in such a grandly named song. But yet he's naming that one very specific a specific place. place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I could not remember the names of any song on this album. <laughs> Yeah, no. like it's just like I like my 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 brother-in-law who was very much inspired by uh, Bonnie Vare, Pat Lapoitevan, amazing Canadian recording artist, awesome. He has an album that's his best album for sure. It's called American Fiction, and he does the same goddamn thing. Every track has a name of an American town, right? Just like this. And I'm like, I can't remember any of these things, man. Yeah. You know the like, catchiest part of your song? Name it name that. Name it that. <laughs> <laughs> name it otherwise, that. I'm never going to. Don't you hate when you're, you hear a song? You're like, oh, fine. You're like, you're searching like the sentence. Always. Like, yeah, totally. Uh, sorry. Sorry, I missed out. Sorry, I missed And the song's called like, like <laughs> Burger. And you're like, it's, why is it called it's Burger? It's called Michigant. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, what? Oh. All right. So we all know what our favorites are. But now we have to do the sad part of saying what our zeros are. I mean, this was tough as well. I yeah, mean, we, really? there's an there's an easy pragmatic cut, which is like Lisbon, Ohio. Yes. I mean, is, again, I wrote this. It's even. It's I, I said more boring than teams. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but I think my pick is uh, Hinome, Texas. <gasps> That's mine too, dude. It's only just because it's like, it kind of annoys me at times, but You know what? It reminds me of Coldplay. I don't know (laughs) what it is. And I don't hate Coldplay. I got a spot for that. There's blushes of Coldplay throughout this album. I will say. Well, maybe what Coldplay became. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But it really, like, I don't know if Justin Vernon was like, I want to be like Coldplay. Maybe he was. No shame in that. Maybe at the time. Coldplay's been making bangers for years. Yeah, totally. But... Hinome, for whatever reason, yeah, the album just at that point, it's like, oh no, the album's losing me. And then 
it gets me back at wash. So I, yes. like, I'm not bad. He's not yes. bad. But th- that's the mm. moment where I'm like, oh no, is this I'm gonna start to suck? Yeah. And I don't know what it is. Something about that song just that Coldplay vibe or something. I don't know why. Oh, yeah, interesting. Wow, we're twins. That one made me I wrote down for that song. It makes me think of sun and flamingos flying into a big open sky. Like you know a nineties <laughs> video of like at, like, you know, like wherever you see flamingos, where they're like choo, like <laughs> the opening chords. I don't know. So I I really like the song. I I I hear you though. I hear you. The other one I'd say I could let go of would be maybe Michigan. There's a couple things in it I really love. Like I love the op- I love the opening of it. I, I, I think of it all the time. I but. love it. I I just like I really couldn't cut any of these other songs. And I loved, and one of the things I actually love about Michigan the most is that idea of sounds we were talking about. Like mm. he plays this, this, does this really cool thing with bells at mm. the beginning. So oh there's, yeah, there's almost like a bike bell at the beginning, and then at oh like yeah, two, min, two minutes in, it the bell changes, and it's like I was waiting for that the whole song, yeah. and it's just like oh, it's so actually no, I won't cut that. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't uh, yeah, talk yeah. yourself out of it. Yeah. No, so I, I honestly couldn't say I, I can see what you mean about Hanome, but uh, I don't know. I like your cuts more. Lisbon. So yeah, I, it's fine to come. I'm just cutting so, this bit. So you just don't like his late album uh, instrumental pauses. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's pretty kind of does that both. Yeah, you guys are nailed it. I never really put together. That I know. I, I I just realized when I got here, I was like, I should have. I just made the same it spot these, too. Yeah. So so um, so gentlemen, we're getting close to the end. Yeah. So it's time for. One last word. Let's. Uh, this is the the point of the episode where we just share any final thoughts we have, and uh, which album we think should yeah. be crowned the victor. Say your piece. Who's the winner? I mean, I have no more final thoughts. I think we totally covered every edge of this Honestly, thing, to be too. honest. But I, I, might, I mean, I just, I just think that the first album is the winner, just historically, just given its like mm-hmm. the memification of it, the, 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 the kind of how it wraps up so much of that era of folk bespoke mm-hmm. do it yourself twee go to the woods acoustic stuff too like it is it's just like i don't know i i, I think that yeah it's it it in and of itself is a moment and uh, so you're going for i'm going for him nice okay lucas how about you you know i wanted i i assumed because i'm always like Kale referenced earlier i'm always like choosing my favorite song is like the single and i'm always saying the obvious record the you know, the thing about Forever for me is that it's like burned in my brain to this level that I'm like, it's my own fault I ruined it. You know? Yeah. But with that even aside, I still found myself uh, in preparation for this. I'd listen to both records and I'd listen to Forema and then I'd be really excited because Perth was starting and I'm like, here we go on the <laughs> on the sonic journey, you know, like yeah. the sporadic yeah. adventure at times almost too much. He's got this weird thing where he can anchor you in and go to a lot of places. I mean, he does it on 22 million very well where it's like there's a lot of places you go, but you're always anchored in like his sensibility and like you referenced how he likes to kind of 
paint outside the lines, draw, you know, fill in, fill in the blanks maybe a little more than you're supposed to where it's like, that's not really how you're supposed to write a song, but yeah. it works. Yeah. So I love that he pushes that envelope a little bit more on the second record. So surprising to myself, I'm going to say that I think Boniver self-titled or Boniver, Boniver. Or bone Iver, bone Iver, bone Iver. Yeah, bone Iver. <laughs> I should start saying that just to make people feel weird. Have you heard of the artist Bone Iver? <laughs> Boning uh, Ivy. Bone Iver. T Bone Ivy. Uh, so yeah, I think I'm going. I'm going with self-titled. Okay. A, okay. Not to be controversial. You are. But right. uh, that's fine. Yeah, I'm, this this sophomore record has got my vote. <laughs> it's a tiebreaker. A, it's a tiebreaker. I I think, you know, so many great points brought up about both of these records. And, you know, if we're talking about the importance of a record in an artist's journey, which I think is in part of what we're talking about here, we're, we're sort of, mm. we, we, we made an episode about the beginning of this sort of now large artist force and like where they started and where they went. You know, I'd say probably the record I'm more likely to put on at home is... Bonnie Vera, Bonnie Vera. But I think in the context of the importance of so this artist, I think I'm going to go with For Emma. Ah, so uh, see, oh, no. see, see, you ain't fucking to Bonnie Vera, Bonnie Vera. That's true. No, the bone in music. For first track in, the first track in, she's like, "What's going on?" <laughs> she's like, "Lucas, turn it off. We're, we're, we're not, we're not making love Please. to Perth." <laughs> Please. <laughs> I love this album. <laughs> On my podcast, I, I voted need, for it. I need you to understand me. <laughs> Been a wonderful evening, but one last question, and that is, what are you vibing? Vibing. So, Chris, why don't we start with you? What uh, what's something Sorry. you've been vibing recently? I did a little prep on this beforehand, and uh, I came up with the name Christian Lee Hudson. You guys know Christian Lee Hudson? Yeah, y- yeah, yeah. Uh, singer songwriter. I will. I would say kind of a bony Vare era apparent in terms yeah. of white guy with an acoustic guitar who's coming up. Hmm. He's you know he's a friend of uh, Phoebe Bridgers. Cool. Uh, very good stuff and then i'm also listening to the new, new destroyer record labyrinths oh yeah very good i would say what i'm bobbing right now is um local um friend of the pod and uh local musician des hume so uh tom of des hume uh released an ep recently called huh which is really cool really interesting um exclaim called it like new age idm which i think is like a great descriptor for it oh, cool. but there's a video for it that I've been obsessed with that um, this guy Jordan made for him where he rotoscoped Tom's face and then put it on all these crazy masks and it got picked up as like a Vimeo staff pick mm. and it's like up for like the these like, wow. like a Berlin Music Video Awards. Cool. So it's like a very cool, very cool video and like the the song in when you see it in, with the video is like makes it just burrows it into the brain even more. Like it's a very strange, nice. very, very cool song. So I'm re- I've been really vibing uh, Tom's EP slash his new video. So that's and you two it. really brought brought your A game for this. <laughs> the mighty mighty Boston. <laughs> no, um, Chippendale. You know, uh, well, the Chippendale film is great. Which I, one? The newest. Oh, the Chip- new one. Sorry, I thought you meant Chippendales. No, 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 not that one. Although a uh, friend of the podcast, Jordan Clausen, did the soundtrack to that one. Yes, I know. Uh, yes. No. Um, <laughs> Uh, Benny Sings put an EP, and I just think every time he puts out stuff, I'm always happy with it. I'm always excited. What's, it's called great. Santa Barbara. It's, um, you know, Benny Sings doesn't, uh, he's not an artist where I feel like he's going to 
try something new and blow your mind. He kind of stays in the vein of like yacht rock and kind of going like hip hop. I mean, he does the two of them very well. And this is a, the same as the last few where it's, it's got a little mix of both. And uh, yeah, I love it. I've, I'm still devastated when he didn't show up to play at the Biltmore this year. Oh, I was, God, yeah. Didn't find out till hours before the concert and had to tell like 15 people like that we weren't doing it. And I was so sad, but you know, he put on some new music. So it's very, I'm very happy. Thank you so much, Chris, for having us. Um, Thanks for hosting us. Hosting us at the Kelly and Kelly Studios. Uh, had a beautiful evening. Love talking about these records. So thanks so much for coming on. And uh, we'll see you all next time. I'll see you at the podcast festival. Like <laughs> <laughs> and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Dude, being a good dad means sometimes you get out there and make a podcast. <laughs> yeah, you, you show um, them that you care. Whoa, I forgot it so in how old that record it's, is. It's 20 makes me 20 years older than I thought crap. it was, yeah. Can I? Oh, I, 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 I told you to be badass. <laughs> <laughs>